This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, yesterday at the Special Criminal Court, Jerry Hutch was acquitted of the charge of murder in relation uh, to David Byrne, who was murdered in the infamous attack on the Regency Hotel in 2016. His co-accused, uh, Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney, who were charged with lesser offences of aiding and abetting, in specifically uh, providing cars, they were both found guilty and they will be sentenced later on. But Jerry Hutch walked free from the court yesterday. It's a very, very big case. It's been going on for a long time. And Sean Murray of the Irish Examiner has been covering it for his paper. And indeed, we're very thankful to him for his coverage on the stand as well. And we were going to begin uh, with Sean. But later, Mick Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner, is going to look at the wider picture, which is the special criminal court and how it operates and some of its more controversial Decision. Sean, thank you very much for joining us. Yesterday, the decision was handed down by Ms. Justice uh, Tara Burns. But in your reporting for us throughout the hearings and the main accuser, Jonathan Dowdle, who was initially also accused of murder, Dowdle was on the stand for eight days. And Brendan Gren, who was defending Jerry Hutch, gave him a very hard time, and he proved to be a very bad witness. Was that at the heart of this acquittal, do you think? Yes, I would say 100%. That was one of the cornerstones of Jared Hutch's acquittal um, in the Special Criminal Court this week. Like I, we, we talked at length at the time about how grueling and about how meticulous that cross-examination of Jonathan Dowdle was. And at the time, Brendan Gretton went to great pains to, to draw out, to point out, to highlight the inconsistencies in Jonathan Dowdle's evidence um, to try and uh, paint him as an unreliable witness, as a witness who told lies. And when the, the judges, and they spent a great deal of time, they spent two months um, going through the case to reach their judgment, um, they told the court... Uh, Tara Bournes, Miss Justice Tara Bournes, told the court that they only had finalised the judgment late in the night before um, delivering yeah. it uh, yesterday. And again, it was Jonathan Dowdle, it was his 
It was his inconsistencies. It was his pattern of lying, as the judge put it, that cast such serious doubt over his central claims. And, and let's not forget, his, his claim was at the very center of this case. And it was his claim that Jared Hutch had told him that he had been one of the shooters in the Regency Hotel that day. And it, yes. it, 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 at the end, it, 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 it stood or fell primarily on Jonathan Dowdle's evidence. And ultimately, as we know now, it very much fell. Yes, and uh, the other key evidence that Dowdle was offering was that he and his father had uh, booked a room in the Regency the night before this murder. He'd given that to Jerry Hutch, and that again linked Hutch to the scene. There's no evidence as it emerged, and I think uh, many observers have noted even that Jerry Hutch was in the country. The point about Dowdle was he was on the stand for eight days, and as you vividly pointed out to us at the time, he was given a very hard time and was a most inc- unconvincing witness. He was also somebody himself who was violent, who had waterboarded a man and been sentenced for it. He is now applied, or has applied, to go into the witness protection s- a scheme uh, that the state has for people who turn informer, essentially, the point also about him, he's a former Sinn Féin councillor, but it appears, Sean, that the case hung and the state was happy to prosecute and the DPP indeed was happy to prosecute on the word of one man, one man who's, I think the Justice, Justice Burns said, was highly unreliable. Yeah, I think that's where uh, post-trial now we can see that there are a lot of questions to be asked about how this all progressed. So we know that Jonathan Dowdle himself could have been in the dock facing a murder charge alongside Jared Hutch. And it was uh, only at the very, very late stage, just before this trial was due to get underway, just a few weeks before where it was actually the case where Jonathan Dowdle pleaded guilty to a lesser charge, that of helping to facilitate the murder. And then, um, obviously, the, the the application for the witness protection program, he gave a statement to Gardee, and then he would turn state's evidence against Jared Hutch. It, it, the, that long process, because for quite a while, he was reaching out to the Gardee to say that he had information. It was only at a very late stage that it would be the case that he would give evidence. So I, I think the, the, the timeline there is something that people might ask questions of. I also think that, and Miss Justice Tara Bournes raised this very specific point yesterday, that it, without Jonathan Dowdle, without his claims of Jared Hutch's supposed admission, what else was there? We know that the infamous tapes, the, the secret recordings um, of that long journey up north between um, Jared Hutch and Jonathan Dowdle, where, as we as we said at the time, uh, it's Jonathan Dowdle who does a lot of the talking. It, it was the state's admission that there were um, tacit kind of admissions by Hutch on the tape having been involved. But as Brendan Gretton put it for Hutch, he said he would challenge anybody to draw the conclusion that Jared Hutch was admitting to anything on those tapes. And when you take Jonathan Dowdle, his unreliability as a witness, when you take what the judge referred to as his self-interest in yes. giving evidence against Hutch, given that he was facing a murder charge itself, when you add that with the tapes and the, the tenuousness 
of these supposed admissions, it was clear that the case would, would, would fall and that, 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 that's what happened yesterday. Now, uh, the tapes or the transcripts of those tapes of that uh, journey to the north, first of all, we should point out, and uh, Miss Justice Tara Burns raised some eyebrows during the trial when she said that evidence obtained in the north, uh, we all knew, was you couldn't produce it. It, it wasn't legal uh, in an Irish court in this jurisdiction, yet she said when this was raised by Brendan Graham, when he said that a lot of this stuff was inadmissible because uh, it was all inadmissible because some of it, the majority of it, was obtained illegally, she said she was still going to admit it, which at the time I think we were talking about that, you were telling, reporting to us, and we thought that that was rather dangerous because we are talking here about a non-jury trial in a special criminal court and accepting illegal evidence or evidence that was illegally acquired was questionable. The other thing is, am I right in believing that the transcripts of that conversation were at one stage lost and then found again? Um, so, so there, there were records to do with the tracking of Jonathan Dowdle's car, um, uh, records held by Gardy, not the specific, um, contents of the conversation. There were, um, records that were lost that were put on a, a, a laptop or a computer that was earmarked for destruction. But, um, the incredulity of the court was raised that day. The eyebrows were raised. But then over the weekend, the guards uh, found that again which was one of the more uh, dramatic parts of the trial. Uh, just specifically on the admissibility of those audio conversations, um, yes. while, while saying, yes, indeed, that the records were obtained unlawfully, there was a provision in law that uh, Miss Justice Bourne cited to um, allow to bring that into evidence. But I also think that uh, her manner of delivering um, that ruling because you, you, you can never second guess what a judge is going to rule or going to say. But I felt, I, I felt there were echoes of that yesterday in that when we were listening to her say those months before that the, we were obtained illegally, you might have thought, okay, so they're going to rule them inadmissible yes. only to find them admissible in the end. And it, as she was speaking yesterday, as her um, judgment was unfolding, you were starting to see the wind blow a certain way. You were starting to see it be perhaps that uh, the monk would be found not guilty. And I, I think even himself, the, uh, throughout the trial, he has been unflappable. He's been passive. He's not showed any emotion. But there was a stage midway through um, her judgment yesterday where it looked like perhaps um, he would be acquitted based on what she was saying at the time. But yes. there was no way of telling for sure. And I, I think for the first time that I certainly noticed anyway, there were, there was a bit of tension in the monk. There was a bit of tension on his face. Um, yes. Obviously, he well, was facing a life sentence. He's 60 years of age and life, if he got it 20, 30 years, would probably be the end of him. So it was all on the line. He was all in. And to her credit, Miss um, Justice Tara Burns uh, gave a very clear, thoughtful and lengthy judgment yesterday, which ended with Jerry Hutch's acquittal. So the Special Criminal Court as such, had the verdict gone the other way, I would have been uneasy, I must say, and I think other people, both in the legal world and in journalism who've been following this, would have been, would it be fair to say, Sean, 
a little bit perturbed that without any evidence at all, other than the, the word of Jonathan, Dowdell, a criminal and a, a liar and a perjurer uh, from another case, um, it would have been very worrying. I, I do think that the, the judge was very clear in, in her um, assessment of Jonathan Dowdle yesterday uh, in that he was on record for having lied before. He had committed some uh, truly horrific acts such as the, the waterboarding of that man mm. um, uh, several years before. Um, on the tapes, he talks about um, uh, making bombs, potentially. He talks about assassinations. He t- he, 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 some pretty nasty stuff is on those tapes. And if, if, if it was the case that a man who um, had said all these things, who had been facing a murder charge himself before giving very specific evidence, pointing the finger at the accused in the case, the man yes. who he could have been sitting in the dock next to, if that evidence had been accepted, um, given the inconsistencies that were drawn to it um, during his cross-examination. I think yes. it, it would have raised uh, a lot of eyebrows. Um, it would have raised a lot of questions about the the nature of cases where the 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 main um the main witness, the main the main person giving evidence is also implicated in in, in the same yes. in the same matter. I think it would have been I think it would have been a, a significant issue for, for the Special Criminal Court, which, as we know, has a high conviction rate. But, uh, but as we've seen, the, the judge went through the, went through the case, went through Jonathan Dowdle's character, went through the evidence that the Gardaí had, and they, they came to the conclusion that there, there was not enough to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Jared Hutch was guilty of murder. Yeah, just final question, Sean, and we're grateful to you for the work you've done for us during this trial, which is so important. Uh, the conviction rate in the Special Criminal Court, I'm told, is 90%. I just wonder, finally, in your own opinion, does the Director of Public Prosecutions, given how this fell apart in terms of, of the, the main accused, do they have a, a question to answer? Or is that an unfair question to ask you? I'd say it myself. I think this case should not have been taken on the basis of the evidence as it unfolded. And I think we hinted at that several weeks ago when we were talking. I think the DPP does have a, a case to answer. I, I think there's a few interesting quotes that really stick out for me from the trial. And one of them was from Brendan Gren during his, during the defense. He, he used yeah. the phrase that the, that Jonathan Dowdle, once he came forward and to, Jared Hutch, bear in mind, is already going to stand trial for murder. He already will be sitting in the dock. Yes. Um, Brendan Graham said that when Jonathan Dowdle came forward with this so-called admission of guilt from Jared Hutch to him in a park, he effectively had the DPP over a barrel where yes. he was coming to the DPP to say, listen, I have information that, 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 that I want to give for, for whatever reason I want to, want to divulge this information. Um, and the, if that information was accepted by the judge, it would have helped to convict uh, Jared Hutch. But obviously, as we know, it wasn't accepted. And then the, the judge also pondered yesterday in her in her judgment, what would the case have been if it wasn't for Jonathan Dowdle? What was the evidence that was there without him? And again, just to, to reiterate it, because I think in its important point, just how late in the game that Jonathan Dowdle came on board as a state witness. It was over a year after Jared Hutch's extradition for murder. And I feel like, I feel like there's a few facets of that, that 
I think people will look at and, and perhaps have questions like, like yourself about, about how this all came to be and how this all came together. And of course, Jonathan Dowdle is, is in a jail cell now. He's applied for witness protection. Um, if that's granted, the, the, the taxpayer would be footing the bill. I think it's a, I think it's, it, it raises, it raises questions over how these cases might proceed and how they might be conducted in the future. Okay, Sean. We're very grateful to you for your contributions to the Stand During show and your outstanding reporting for your newspaper, the Irish Examiner. Sean Murray covered this trial for the Irish Examiner. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We're joined now by Mick Clifford, special correspondent for the examiner, the Irish Examiner, to talk about the Special Criminal Court in a wider context. Mick, thanks for joining us. Just on the basis of what myself and Sean were discussing there and what the newspapers have in the papers this morning, this is a very dodgy case to take. And fair play to Miss Justice Tara Burns and her two fellow judges, Sarah Barkley and Gronje Malone. Uh, they've come to the right a conclusion and the judgment is crystal clear and Jerry Hutch is rightly free. Well, I think that's fair to say, Eamon. I mean, it, it struck me talking to some legal people and what I hear in a broader context, particularly in the legal world, there was a feeling that notwithstanding the flimsy nature of the evidence, uh, 
that um, yes. Jerry Hutch would be convicted, possibly on the basis of the Special Criminal Court. And yes. to that extent, you have to applaud the judges for the really detailed uh, reasoning they gave and the fact that they ultimately concluded he could not be convicted. And you brought up the point there that I find just inexplicable in the whole thing. Without Jonathan Dowdall, all you had to the greatest extent was this recording going to the north. Now, if anything, one could conclude from that recording that you could certainly have brought a charge in relation to control yes. of the weapons that were used, be that before or after the event. The most serious kind of, of, um, of charges that could have been brought short of murder, and yet none of those were brought. He could have been accused, make of organising. Yeah, yeah, or, or at the very least being, I don't know what the, uh, in, I think it's an, <laughs> from TV shows, we know that accessory after the fact, whatever the equivalent yes. is here. As, there's as absolutely no, the fact. yeah, yeah. I, 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 but there's, there's no doubt about that. And the other thing, and Sean mentioned this too, and this is another thing I couldn't get my head around. A lot of people, and there was, re there was reference in the judgment that the judges have a belief that in all probability, the Hutch organized crime group was behind the killing. Now, anybody who's observing this from the legal, from the journalistic world, from the Garda world, the, the general belief that if that was the case, then perhaps Jerry Hutch had an involvement at the planning or managing stage. I yeah. don't think anybody thought for a second that he was physically one of the gunmen. Yes, no. as, as Sean said, the DPP was over a barrel because Dowdall said, he said to me, he was a shooter. And it, it really, I mean, at that stage, you would have had to wonder, notwithstanding the pressure and all that was uh, at stake, why somebody didn't say, hold on, we need to stop here for a minute and see what the hell's going on. Yes, I mean, the, the, the Special Criminal Court is a controversial instrument of administering judgment. My own position on it is that with terrorism and with fear that juries might be intimidated, there is a legitimate case for a special criminal court, but it's limited. And I feel, Mick, if this case had gone the other way and Jerry Hutch was found guilty on the basis of what we knew, the special criminal court would have been under severe pressure and there, there should have been political consequences. And you have to question the DPP. You would, you would. And, 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 you know, the point you make about the special criminal court, I mean, the, the, the dilemma, if you want to call it, about the special criminal court, one example of that is for the positioning of Sinn Féin. Now, yes. Sinn Féin traditionally was against the special crim because it was set up for, and it did so frequently, it convicted uh, IRA people. I don't yeah. believe for a second Sinn Féin's opposition had to do with civil liberties. There is a civil liberty lobby that was also opposed. And that was Sinn Féin's position, and they held it for years and years. Now, they've totally moderated it recently. And to me, there's two reasons they moderated. One, they want to be seen as more mainstream, and it's generally accepted by the mainstream parties. But also, in the working class communities where crime and the, the drug epidemic is at its worst, Sinn Féin, you know, they, they have a certain hold. And yes. the people in those communities know the, the, the power of some of these gangs in terms of intimidating families, intimidating yes. potential witnesses, therefore potential jurors. And I 
to the best of my knowledge, there's pretty strong support for the special crime among people in those kind of communities that are worst affected yeah. by the ravages of crime. So Sinn Féin have to balance that. That's, and, and, and writ large, that to some extent is the dilemma of the state. How you manage to administer justice free from interference by criminal elements, yet at the same time maintain the principles of a, a, a trial in, in which the facts are to the greatest extent decided on by peers, by member of the public. And, and, and that that's there and it'll continue to be there. And as you say, personally, Eamon, one day, one day I might come down in favour. The next day, I'm not. It's a tough one. But the one thing was the point you made though about this particular trial. If this had gone the other way, I think it would have dealt massive blow to any yes. credibility that the special criminal court has. Yes, indeed, and the establishment that supports it. There is a history here, isn't there? I remember Nikki Kelly being wrongly convicted. It has a a history, doesn't it, Mick? It does, and you mentioned Nikki Kelly, and there's a, a, an example of how crazy things can go. An when, innocent man. Yeah, and, and when you exclude the public, very briefly, during the, it was the Salins mail train robbery, anybody under 50, I'd say, man, not much about it, but a famous robbery, um, the Gardaí, and there's a brilliant book written about it, by the way, in the broader context, round up the usual suspects by uh, Gene Kerrigan and Derek Dunn, but yeah. the the, the they rounded up uh, associates of the IRSP, the Irish Republican Socialist Party. They brought them in. There was very credible allegations that they got severe beatings. They were charged and they were brought before the Special Criminal Court. Now, in the course of the trial, one of the three judges, the three-judge court, William O'Connor, everybody looked up and they saw that he was, he appeared to be falling asleep. He, and and this, Hibernian Magazine actually reported at the time, and they were nearly brought in, they may have actually, I'm 100% sure whether they were found contempt of court. But the, the lawyers, everybody, and in the end, one of the lawyers for uh, one of the defendants, I think there was four of them at the time, including Nikki Kelly, brought a, 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 a motion that one of the judges was not awake and, and clued in, so therefore the, the, the jury or the, the, the court should be discharged. Now, the three judges got together and decided, no, you're wrong, he was awake, he's fine, everything is grand. The, the, the lawyer then brought that action to the high court, the high court judge said, no, you're wrong, man was awake, no problem, carry on. He appealed to the Supreme Court. The three judges of the Supreme Court said, no, you're wrong. That seven judges, Eamon, said, yes. this man, who quite obviously to anybody in the court was falling asleep, was not falling asleep. Now, the poor man, unfortunately, was to emerge. He was, in fact, dying at the time. He had a particular condition, and within a few weeks, he, he actually did die, and the trial was aborted. But the manner in which the judiciary closed ranks in that case, and yeah. the manner in which, by all accounts and by the result of their outcome, they ignored very credible allegations of abuse in custody. That summed up a lot that was wrong, certainly then, with the Special Criminal Court. And, and you're talking about a limited use of it at the moment. Some of the time, there's actually two courts in operation. So yes. the issue over how widespread they're using it is definitely another thing that needs to be looked at. Mick, it seems to me that Miss Justice Tara Burns and her colleagues uh, Sarah, Sarah Barkley and Ronnie Malone have done the state some service 
because of the clarity of her verdict and the way this case has been conducted and the right verdict in terms of Jerry Hutch has been arrived at. But it does raise questions, does it not, about the guards, the way they managed the evidence, and also about the DPP and how this prosecution was allowed to proceed on the basis of one man's word, the man in question being a criminal, a perjurer, and, you know, a dangerous, a dangerous character. And only for the excellence of Jerry Hutch's counsel, uh, senior counsel Brendan Graham, who had Dowdell in the box for eight days, where he more or less destroyed himself. We're very close, and we're on quite thin ice, aren't we, when a case like this can go all the way to a special criminal court as opposed to being tried in the high court. Yeah, I mean, th th there's definitely something in that, Eamon. I mean, a special criminal court, you know, take it back to the days when 90 it was... 90% conviction, mate. Yeah, 90% is about 65, I think, in, in, in the uh, circuit criminal or the central criminal. But take it back to the days when it was used primarily to uh, try issues around uh, paramilitary activity and what have you. In those days, uh, the word, and I think it still pertains, the word of, uh, I'm not sure, was it the superintendent or the chief superintendent, was considered evidence uh, yes. that, that somebody was a member of the IRA. If the super came in and said, Mick Clifford's a member of the IRA, etc., that went largely, and you didn't necessarily even have to have corroborative evidence for that to go. Now, that's pretty dodgy, and, and when you're doing it in an environment where you don't have a jury, you have to wonder further about it, which kind of highlights the need to be even more careful when you just have three judges in a scenario like that. The issue over bringing the charges and the guards and the DPP, to me, that comes back to one of the big problems. And I suppose, to be fair, it's not just the police force in this country, but the nature of the way things have happened, it yes. applies here. When the police are under pressure, corners are going yes. to be cut. Yes. And things are not going to be done as they should be. Now, yes. you can speculate on where the pressure comes from, the nature of the pressure, who within an organisation is applying the pressure, whether, and this is often the case, the pressure is coming from the body politic, that this has to be done, we have to be seen to follow yes. this, etc. All of that, when you have a scenario like that, that's, to my mind, when you definitely run into trouble, both in terms of acquiring evidence and then in a trial and what goes to trial. And you'd have to wonder, was it factored into the decision to bring the, to bring the, uh, prosecution on the basis that it would go before the special crime, which had a higher, yes. um, conviction rate. And therefore, yes. if that's the basis you're bringing a prosecution, you know, you're starting off with a problem there straight away anyway. Yes. And sure, don't we know Jerry Hutch is, uh, is a criminal anyway? That would be the, the thinking on that. It, just a final question or a point I want to make to see if you agree with, because you um, have a bit more knowledge of these matters. We need to take this case, Mick, do we not, and look at it. And we need to be sure, because not everyone has a senior counsel as good as Brendan Gren, and we can't be putting people before a court without any jury where the conviction rate is 90% without raising questions. And that's particularly true 
of this case and this moment in Irish justice? I think that's a very good point, David. Um, Brendan Grehan, I, I have... I spent a lot of time down in the courts over the last 20 odd years. And I have to say, when you see Mr. Grehan in action, um, let me put it this way to you. If I ever get trouble, if I ever get <laughs> into trouble, he'd be the man I'd be calling because he, he's a brilliant advocate. No big drama, no big, um, no big deal about it. He, he's forensic. He knows the questions to ask and the point you make. And because it was referenced in, in the judgment yesterday, all that was exposed about Dowdall to a large extent was as a result yes. of Brendan Grehan's questioning and exposing his character. And if we have to leave it to rely on the fact that you're going to have, and there's only a few of them really among the best in the business in, in terms of being an advocate, that again is a dodgy scenario. You're going to need, you, you, you need a hell of a lot more safeguards than that. So, in, in terms of the operation of the, the special criminal, again, it needs to, um, you know, it needs an awful lot of vigilance. There's no question about that. Yeah, it needs to be clean and to be seen to be clean. Uh, Mick Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner, we're very grateful to you, Mick, and to your colleague, Sean Murray, who has been reporting for us throughout this important uh, trial. We're grateful to uh, Mick Clifford, to Sean Murray to all of you for listening that's all we have time for now we'll talk to you soon